2: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Cowboys Wire editor, KD Drummond.
3: All right, KD, Cowboys lose to the Steelers 24-19 despite nearly leading wire to wire. You're up 13-0, up 10 in the fourth quarter. But you know what? I kind of like this game for the Cowboys. I like this for a lot of different reasons. First of all, they played to win. And they look like they care. They look like they're actually playing for Mike McCarthy. Got to give them credit for that. This is a pretty good showing. The team's competing. A few plays, a couple calls, you know, go their way, and they knock off the only undefeated team in the league. But in the end, I think all's right with the world. The Cowboys lose, but they play well. There's some things to feel good about. And you move into, as you tweeted and put on the Cowboys wire, you move into that number three spot for the 2020 NFL draft. And that's the most important thing right now for the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion. So play well, feel good about it, and improve your draft slot. I think that's a good Sunday for the Cowboys. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I I completely agree. And we actually had uh, Jerry Jones on Tuesday spoke about it. He was like, you know, we, we definitely want to try to win. But if our season results in us having a very high draft pick, I'll take it. And that's pretty much the sentiment of everybody that's following the Cowboys. They want them to be competitive. The the, the games where they were non-competitive uh, over the last month uh, up until, you know, the game against Philly, which they, they were generally competitive in that game as well. But up until these last two games has really been a slog trying to watch the Cowboys week in, week out. And people still want to tune in. But they, they don't want to. I think for the most part, people would rather have the high draft pick than finishing six and 10, getting the number eight pick or the number 10 pick or something like that. Uh, they would much rather have the high draft pick because in the 2021 draft, there's so many quarterbacks. There are three quarterbacks that could be, you know, theoretically one, two, three in the draft this year. So yep. Yep. having a top three pick will be a very big uh, boost to the Cowboys because they should be able to trade out of that spot, get multiple first round picks, whether it be in the future or whatever the case may be as far as the hall goes and really try try to shake their team but the the one thing that's interesting they could pull a uh, San Antonio Spurs with, you know, Tim Duncan, where, you know, their star player, David Robinson, was out. They ended up with a number one pick and drafted Tim Duncan and always right, right with the world for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys could theoretically stay at the top of the draft and stay at number three and take, you know, whatever the best defender is. If, if you think that Patrick Sertain is the head and shoulders, best cornerback in the draft, you know, you could get him at three. You might not get him if you trade back to number eight or something of that sort. So basically having a top pick will be will, will be something that opens a door for the Cowboys to pursue whatever way that they want to do it and then go from there. So yeah, right now it, it was disappointing to lose to Pittsburgh when you were up 13 to nothing and, and seeing what Garrett Gilbert did uh, in his first start in the NFL. But overall, you can't really be disappointed with where the Cowboys are uh, based on all of the injuries that they suffered.
3: No doubt. And as someone who is uh, somehow still alive in my survivor pool and, and took the Steelers this week, I got to say, I, I expected Garrett Gilbert to play like hot garbage in this game, KD. not expect it to be a close <laughs> football game and Garrett Gilbert's out there playing football and I'm like, who is this kid? What are you doing to me, Gary Gilbert? What are you doing, bro? So, uh, man, he made some plays. He passed the eye test for sure. He, I, I liked him out there. I liked him. I, and I heard that, I think it was Stephen Jones, talked about, hey, when Andy Dalton's healthy, when he's off the COVID list, whatever, he's still going to be the starting quarterback. But, you know, besides that fourth quarter that Dalton played against the Giants when he led them to those field goal drives for the win, Gilbert, I think he's played the best football we've seen since Dak got carted off the field. Like that was, that was pretty good.
4: Yeah, and this was exactly what I wanted to see. I spoke about it uh, on the pods last week on, on my radio appearances, yeah, you were it didn't in. make sense. You were in on him. It, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for them to think that Cooper Rush was going to be the best alternative for them to play just because he was familiar with Kellen Moore's system. And that wasn't because of what could have happened. I didn't predict Garrett Gilbert was going to look that good. But what I said was, you want to know whether or not Gilbert can be the backup for uh, backup quarterback for Dak Prescott moving forward. Andy Dalton isn't going to be around next year. So there's really nothing left for the Cowboys to see out of Andy Dalton because this season is down the drain. So when I hear Stephen Jones talk about Andy Dalton is going to get his job back. I, I approach that with a grain of salt for a couple of reasons. One, Andy Dalton's contract is geared in a fashion that if he plays a large percentage of the games, and I think he started two games, so if he comes back out of the break and starts the last seven, he has a huge bonus clause, I believe, for playing eight games or more in the season. Uh, so the Cowboys are probably going to try to avoid that, seeing how much they need to save money in order to pony up to pay Dak Prescott next season. So that's one of those things, but it also gives them cover. If, Ger- if Garrett Gilbert comes out and stinks up the joint uh, when they come out of the break, we don't know whether or not Andy Dalton is going to clear concussion protocol or COVID-19 testing. He has both uh, situations right now. So we don't know how soon he's going to be ready. So Stephen Jones giving him that vote of confidence on the surface, it kind of sounds a little crazy, <laughs> but it does make sense from the point of view of, well, that's the guy that you signed. You want to give him confidence. You don't want to ruin his, his market You know when he's a free agent because he's not coming back to Dallas. One thing popped into my head this morning that I'm kind of fleshing out and probably will put in an article later on this week on Cowboys Wire. The Cowboys might be 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 pulling the undercover tank, because if they put Andy Dalton back in after how Gilbert looked, and Gilbert looks, you know, that well again, or whether that's the only evidence we have, that's a downgrade at the quarterback position. I like it, yep. I I don't see how you can look at anything that Andy Dalton did and not think that he would tease a downgrade from what Gilbert did, regardless of whatever their careers say. The Cowboys continuing to trot out Terrence Steele at right tackle is a tank move. You clearly have other options that you could go out there and try, and for some reason, they keep trotting out Terrence Steele, even though he's probably not in their long-term plans as even being a swing tackle. That's what they have Brandon Knight for. They get Teron Smith back. They get Lyle Collins back next season. Brandon Knight is going to be your swing tackle. Terrence Steele, at best, is going to be a fourth tackle. So there should be no reason that they're so interested in playing him and seeing what they have with him when you have other options, if you're trying to win this year. So I'm going to flesh it out and see if there's a little bit more evidence out there, but maybe the Cowboys aren't doing everything that they can in order to win these games out there.
3: Yeah, and I actually, I sign off on that kind of tanking all day long. I like the way the Cowboys if that's the case I like what the Cowboys are doing and you tweeted Katie like are the Jets are the Jets gonna beat the Patriots and put the number one seed in play for the Cowboys I saw that tweet last night and that was a real thing the Jets are up by 10 (laughs) points against the Patriots in the fourth quarter you know what why not We'll, we'll talk about that here on the other side we'll do that coming up next
1: fantasy
2: football is about proving that you are better than your friends sit up the startup these are the fantasy picks of the week it will kill me if this game ends in a tie i need this win this game's pretty much done with Corey bonini from the huddle.com
5: I'm Corey Benigni of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for week 10 of the fantasy football season. This one might be a no-brainer, but coming off of his bye, Jared Goff versus the Seattle Seahawks. Just about everybody is a must-start against Seattle's defense. Even if you remove five rushing touchdowns against Seattle by quarterbacks, no team has given up more than the 372.5 yards per game allowed by this team. The blueprint is clear on how to beat Seattle. Pass and pass a lot. Washington running back J.D. McKissick goes to the Detroit Lions, his former employer, from the 2019 season. He knows the defense well and has practiced against it extensively. McKissick benefits from Alex Smith taking over for Kyle Allen as the quarterback in Washington. It's no fluke that he played so well in the last couple games and he faces a defense that has given up the most yards per game to the position via the pass. Look for another double-digit day in PPR scoring for McKissick. Going back to the Seattle-Los Angeles matchup, David Moore of the Seahawks, it's hard to get away from him. The level of defensive scrutiny paid towards DK Metcalf and Tyler Locker has more finding the end zone with surprising regularity. He has scored consecutive games and has four touchdowns in the last five outings. The only problem is when he's bad, he's so bad that he shouldn't even be anywhere near a fantasy lineup. That said, with all of the attention paid to the star receivers around him, Moore is worth playing in fantasy football action in week 10. Another guy with an inconsistent target share is Titan Trey Burton of the Indianapolis Colts. He faces the Tennessee Titans, a defense that's given up five touchdowns to the position in eight games, including two over the last four weeks. In the recent window, three guys guys have posted at least 11 PPR points and all three of those guys had six pass receptions. Even if he doesn't find the end zone, there's a pretty good chance that he's relevant in fantasy. Gamers could do worse, especially if they've lost somebody like Zach Ertz or George Kittle to injury. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
0: Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh,
1: human remains that are left.
3: Okay, so Katie, you know, you know that I'm out here in New England. I live in New Hampshire, so uh, I had to subject myself to all four quarters last night, Monday night, uh, Patriots Jets. It was painful. Oh my God, was that painful? So painful. And the, the most painful thing is I I can't stand the Jets. I just think they're embarrassment. Uh, I hate them anyway, but they're embarrassment. Adam Gase is a freaking clown, and uh, I just I, I'm not a I, I just can't. I can't say enough bad things about the the Jets, but what you're just saying in the in the previous segment about the Cowboys maybe tanking in a... in a, What'd you call it? A backdoor tank or, or an undercover? Yeah, a
4: backdoor tank is, yeah. is where you just don't put your best players out there in order to basically say, you know, in in order to... You still give your best effort, but you know your best effort isn't going to be good enough. 100%. And if, if they put Dalton out there, I think that's clearly the case uh, that, you know, there's so much upside to what Gilbert could be for the Cowboys and not this year. They're not, he's not going to drive them to the playoffs, but there's no future in Andy Dalton except for the fact that he looked horrendous in his two starts. So trotting him back out there is just—it seems like it's a backdoor tank to
3: me. Okay, okay, that makes perfect sense, and I think that is—that's uh, a respectable way to do it, and I—I I love that. But I think the NFL should be a little embarrassed about the Jets last night. I mean, this, on Monday night. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, it's like Tankapalooza over, and the Jets it's like the, all of a sudden the Jets realize the Patriots are inside the twenty. They're lining up for a field goal. They're down by ten. There's like seven minutes left in the game. The Jets are all of a sudden the Jets realize, oh crap, they're—they're going to let us win this game. The Patriots are going to let us win like like we're the Jets it's 2020 we can't win a game so the Jets put 12 men on the field Katie I know you saw this right so the Jets put 12 men on the field to give the Patriots the first down and then the the cameras pan over to the sideline the Jets coach is like oh man I can't believe we did that bull crap you guys did that on purpose I don't care (laughs) Patriots are so bad that they get the first to goal and still kick a field goal they're down by seven Joe Flacco proceeds on the very next play to throw a just a terrible deep bomb down the middle of the field with the double coverage that's intercepted. The Jets show no interest, Katie, in tackling on the next try. The Patriots go down and score the game-tying touchdown. And then the Jets go three and out, of course. They end up running four total plays in the fourth quarter after really dominating the first three quarters of this game. They run four offensive plays in all of the fourth quarter. Get the ball back to the Patriots who go down and, of course, Kick the game winning field goal with Nick Folk and win that ball game. They I've never seen KD a ten-point lead disappear faster than I saw the Jets just kind of let their own ten point lead just go away. And I my own personal feelings about the Jets and Adam Gase aside, that is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. It was even as a Patriots guy, like that was I, I don't feel good about the win because I almost want to like I just want to throw up. It was so disgusting what the Jets did. And I d I, I don't embrace that kind of tank. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to go out there embarrassing ourselves like the freaking Jets. So good for the Cowboys right. if that's what they're doing. I, I signed off on that 100%. Yeah,
4: I, I would say that when it comes to the Jets, it's really hard to say this is the most embarrassing thing that they've ever done, because <laughs> yes. we're talking about decades of futility and them really trying to, to outmaneuver uh, wow. themselves into yeah. being embarrassing. It's getting so uh, it, it is a It is a bad franchise. It, it really is, and, and it was pretty obvious that they were trying not to win that game after they found themselves up 10 points at halftime, but it, it is what it is, and the Cowboys are in a good situation. They're number three. It's going to be very difficult for them if they a, Try to not win maybe one or two more games on the season, which means that they have no chance of catching the Jets. Uh, Yesterday was the only chance I think that the Jets had uh, until they secure the number one seed, and then they'll miraculously win Week 16 and Week 17 if they have it locked up. Uh, But really, why would you watch that game unless you had Jamison Crowder on your fantasy team? (laughs) He he was really the only redeeming factor in in that Monday night matchup. It was
3: was painful. I mean, if you live in the New England area, I guess like you gotta uh, and you're putting your your fanboy hat on, you gotta you gotta say you're watching and you. As a Patriots fan, Katie, I'm going to tell you, you can't stomach a loss to the Jets, no matter what. Even if your season's over, you. even, if you yep. wanna, even if you want it, even if you want a good draft pick. And I'll tell you this: as a, as a Patriots guy, like nobody wants to see Belichick have the number five or number six pick or something because he's just going to trade it, and it's just going to drive us crazy. We're just going to lose our yep. Justin Fields will be there, and he just he'll trade it, and we'll all we'll all lose our <laughs> you know mass hysteria. We'll just lose our minds because Belichick traded another pick. But I just I just I saw your tweet last night, and I wanted to bring up that story because those hoping that the Jets are going to win a couple games and maybe bring the number one seed into play let's just forget about the number one seed the Jets are going to do everything they can clearly to lose (laughs) and tank and be the number one seed. the Jets are going for that number one pick and Adam Gase is the perfect head coach for the job but all right before we hit our next break here Katie uh some decent news on the Dak Prescott injury front right he's ahead of schedule I heard uh Stephen Jones said uh what are you hearing about Dak and it sounds like all good news right now in his recovery
4: they did say that he is ahead of schedule. They said that it's a four-month injury. Uh, it was originally reported as being four to six months. So I don't know if they're saying that he's ahead of the four months or four months is on the short end of the recovery window and that he's on that schedule. Regardless, he's not going to be able to save this season. Uh, a lot of people, you know, take those words and they're like, well, you know, there's a chance they could win the division at 5-11 and 11. because when you look at Philly's schedule coming up after the Giants game next week, it is brutal. They play all teams that are 5-3 and three or better for five straight games. So Philly could easily come out of that losing all of those conversations Contest and if the division still be up for grabs in the last four weeks of the season, but. The Cowboys aren't going to do that. Uh, Dak Prescott is done for the year. It's a wrap. They're going to be looking forward to uh, him being in full recovery for the offseason, which means that they can actually see him doing things with the club, or I I shouldn't say with the club, but football activities, I should say, before they decide what they're going to do as far as these negotiations go. If he is ahead of schedule, that means that when the negotiating window opens, that they have full confidence that he's going to be able to be full speed for all of the offseason work, and that will affect the negotiations. But in the same breath that Dak Prescott is doing better and, and hopefully will be fully recovered for next year. The Cowboys have now lost their star uh, rookie cornerback, Trevon Diggs, who broke his foot in the game against the Steelers. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Possibly they're going to shut him down for the year. So that just adds to another in the laundry list of key players that the Cowboys are playing without in 2020. It has been, hopefully this is, you know, the boogeyman and, and all of their bad mojo is gone because the Cowboys have been relatively healthy over several years, uh, but it's really hit them hard in 2020. So hopefully they get all the bad juice out of the way and they'll have a fruitful, healthy season in 2021 and return to the purse that everybody thinks they should be on. 2020
3: is a good it's a good year to flush all that out. Just, just all the bad yeah, things. Let's is. just get it all get it all here in the last couple months of 2020. And then we move on with our lives. So, uh, cool. We'll pick up this conversation on the other side. We'll be right back. that?
2: <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
0: Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark, as always, to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 10 Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. The Vikings are two and a half point road favorites, minus 115 odds. Bears minus 106 to cover plus 2.5 at home. Over under of 44 and a half, minus 110 odds on either side of that. Jeff, Vikings coming off a couple of great performances. Are they back on track? And the Chicago Bears, can they bounce back from an ugly loss against the Tennessee Titans last week? Oh, I think they're going to bounce back. This is a great spot for the Bears getting points at home. Kirk Cousins is 0 and 3 straight up and against the spread versus Chicago since joining the Minnesota Vikings. And they've done a really good job bottling up Dalvin Cook. He's played against the Bears in uh, three games, he's got 47 touches with 140 total yards and one touchdown in those three games. And Kirk Cousins, we all know how he struggles in Monday Night Football. Um, he's got an 0-9 record in Monday Night Football. Give me the Bears plus points. I'm on the Vikings. They're back to 3-5 and five on the year. A couple of big divisional wins against Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions last two weeks. They make it three in a row. Dalvin Cook is right there in the MVP race. Vikings minus two and a half. They win by three. Subscribe to Best Living Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh,
1: human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan.
3: So, Katie, I always like to see, uh, you know, where you're at on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's Katie versus the Cowboys Twitter and, and what people are yelling at you about or what, what you're going back and forth about with Cowboys Twitter. And, you know, I, I just noticed a lot of uh, all caps, LOL. So I'm like, OK, what's Katie laughing about? We got to check this out. And the conversation continues in the debate over whether the Cowboys signed the right guy when they signed Jalen Smith over Byron Jones. Right. And I think you've you've already called this one. This one. you you This is game set match for you. You've already called this one. You know, I know how how you feel, but they're in a really interesting situation with uh, with Jalen, a guy they signed, uh, a guy who's who's having a tough year. I, I know a lot of guys in the Cowboys are having a tough year, but it's it, it hasn't been good for Jalen Smith for sure. You've written about and shared the article about you know what the Cowboys could potentially do, what options they have with him. Do they hold on yeah. to him? Do they let him go? What's smart? Like right there, like what do you think about that situation with Jalen Smith and what do you think they should do
4: if they have to franchise Dak Prescott? They'll need thirty six point nine million dollars worth of cap space projected with rollovers from this year and the cap going down to $175 million, which isn't set in stone, but it's the floor that they set. They know that because of decreased revenue, they refuse to go below $175 million cap. And that's a stark contrast. Many people projected the cap was going to be $210, 215000000 million in 2021. And basically teams sign players, long-term contracts with the idea that the cap is going to grow every year. So every NFL team is in a situation where they have money on the books for 2021 that they expected to be able to afford based on the previous. And now you're losing 30, 35, 40 million off of the expected cap. So everybody is in a situation where they're going to be above the cap next year. But when you don't have your quarterback under contract, that expands the issue to an nth degree. So you have to start to look at ways that you're going to be able to save money. And if you have a player like Jalen Smith, who is not playing up to his contract, who looks like a dog chasing a laser in traffic whenever (laughs) somebody runs motion or plays misdirection, he completely looks lost out there taking missteps. You have to consider the fact that if you need that money, that's a place you may go. The Cowboys will, Jerry Jones said on Tuesday, he said that Jalen Smith is a cornerstone player for this franchise. They are in business deals together. They they help support uh, Jalen Smith's business and all of that sort of stuff. He is the quintessential poster boy for which you want to represent the Dallas Cowboys. So they will stick with him because of that reason. But if things get tight, and they can't work out a long-term agreement with Dak Prescott, which of course comes with a low base salary, a uh, low first year cap hit uh, based on the signing bonus and proration and all yep. of those sorts yep. of things that you can find me talking about on CowboysWire.com. Sure. If they aren't that. able to chop that down and they have to give $36.9 million to, ca- to Prescott, they're going to have to figure out a way to get that money. And Jalen Smith's base salary is $7.2 million in 2021. If they were to release him as a June 1st cap hit, they would get that money back. All of the proration the acceleration of uh, future cap hits from the signing bonus that spread out over years wouldn't happen until 2022 if they released him under that June 1st cap casualty rule, which gives them the window to get that money back and help contribute towards being able to keep Dak Prescott. It's something that teams don't talk about a lot, but there's going to be that middle ground. Players that aren't superstars making the 15 to 20 and above million dollars a year, those guys are going to be safe. The guys that are on rookie contracts, those guys are going to be safe. Veteran minimums, those guys are going to be safe. But those guys that are making between 5 to $10 million, that's where a lot of guys are going to have to get cut to trim the fat when teams are trying to get down. And Jalen Smith is one of the few Cowboys in that range that fits that mode of being a player that's not living up to his contract and being somebody that plays a position that's honestly pretty replaceable. So I, I know that they're saying all the right things about keeping Jalen Smith, but if they need that money for Prescott, I wouldn't be shocked if that's where they look.
3: Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting too. They, they love him off the field, right katie They, do, they just do, but yep. you love the guy off the field, but he's not performing on it. it just, it's just—it's such an interesting storyline. It's definitely one we're gonna have to follow. It's definitely one, but that's yep. really—that's really really good analysis. So, hi, my man. Hey, bye week. It's a bye week for you. You don't have to subject yourself to any Jets footballer. You can watch whatever the hell you want this weekend. Good for you.
4: I'm not watching anything. Me me and the wife are going to take the kids on a little uh, excursion. Uh, It's a safari that they have where you drive around and see dinosaurs. I hope I didn't say that too loud that my kids are hearing, but it's a really (laughs) cool thing that they're doing uh, downtown. So we're going to do that. We're taking Sunday off. No football for me this Sunday. I can't wait.
3: Oh, good for you. Good for you. Enjoy it. All right.
4: All right.